Friends, this is the time in the service when we open the scriptures and read to one another and listen for what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church of Jesus Christ. So let me encourage you right now, grab the Bible that you have at your house, or maybe open up your phone to the Bible app and follow along as I read. We've got just a little bit of a longer passage today from John chapter 20, and I'm going to read verses 19 through 29. John 20, 19 through 29. This is the second Sunday of Easter, and we are uh, starting our series. It's called The New Normal, and we are looking at resurrection stories and stories of promise and of new life out of the scriptures that God has for us, especially at a time like this. All right, so here we are, John chapter 20, verses 19 through 29. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. It's so good to see you, and so good to be able to remind you of the good news for you and for the whole world, friends, that Jesus is alive, that he has risen from the dead, and that all who believe in him will share in a resurrection like his. So it's time to celebrate. It's time for dancing and for singing and for feasting. Have you done some feasting this week since last Sunday? I hope you have. It's also time for laughing. Time for laughing. So once again, I've brought you this year my worst Easter jokes. Okay, are you ready? Why is business good on Easter? Because profits rise. (laughs) How do you make Easter easier in just one simple step? Replace the T with an I. (laughs) Okay, here's a question. Uh, What do you all think of my idea to abstain from working with spreadsheets for the 40 days leading up to Easter? Okay, I'm gonna ask it again, it's complicated. What do you think of my idea to abstain from working with spreadsheets for 40 days leading up to Easter, because personally, I think it's Excel Lent. (laughs) Okay, last one. 
I accidentally drank the water that we were using to color Easter eggs. I think I died a little inside. <laughs> okay, so I wonder if you've ever thought about Easter as a time for laughing. It is, it's true. Easter is a time for laughing. Now there's different kinds of laughter, right? Uh, there's the mocking kind. That's the kind that the soldiers had on Friday morning as they beat Jesus with whips. There's the uncomfortable sort of nervous giggling, you know, when you've been sort of uncomfortable and you laugh. That's this awkward laughter that the disciples had when they heard Jesus say uh, that he was going to have to suffer and to die. Now, there's an arrogant, like a celebrating too early kind of laugh. It's the ha-ha in your face. That's the laugh of the devil when Jesus was crucified. But the laughter of Easter is something different altogether. It's the laugh of victory. It's the laughter that the Holy Spirit puts in your heart and the kind that Jesus brings into a dark world. It's the laughter of a tiny baby in a manger. It's the laughter of a woman who is finding her lost coin. It's the laughter of a blind man who can see for the first time. It's the laughter of Lazarus and his sisters as he comes out of the tomb and, and has his grave clothes peeled off in one long strip like they were unraveling a tangerine. It's jubilant and it's uncontained because you know that no matter what demons you face, you've already won. You've already won. No matter how bad the suffering in your life may be, no matter how tough life gets, you can laugh because God has given you victory over death and sin. That's the kind of laughter that we're talking about today. And it is more infectious than any disease, and it is more irresistible than any army, and it is more subversive than any rebellion. On the third day, after the greatest catastrophe of all time, we find the faithful laughing, infectiously, uncontrollably, without fear, all because Jesus rose from the grave. But is it really okay to laugh in a church service? Yes, of course. Doesn't that seem just a little bit frivolous? Not at all. Not at all. Friends, make no mistake. The kingdom of God is a party and the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And when God does something miraculous and new, like Sarah in the Old Testament, we have a tendency to laugh. Which means, which means, the life of discipleship may actually be a matter of learning to take faith seriously without taking ourselves too seriously. Now, don't get me wrong. We know on Easter, God is up to something important, right? God is doing something heavy, something earth shattering. But don't think for a moment that you or I can add anything to God's efforts simply by being more serious. The church is full of people who are incredibly sincere about the wrong things. The great Jesuit theologian Karl Rahner said, do not be afraid of laughing a little foolishly and a little superficially. In the right spot, this superficiality is deeper than your toiling thoughtfulness, which was suggested only by a spiritual pride. And so maybe our serious and important work isn't really so serious or important after all. Much better to laugh at our foolishness and then laugh harder still at the wonder that God has forgiven us 
anyway. Now, I need to hear this as much as anyone, right? So uh, I'm preaching to myself today because I have a tendency to take myself too seriously. I wonder if you ever have a tendency to take yourself too seriously. At the first church that I served as a pastor, I was uh, talking with a church member one day about a recent sermon that I had given, and she had noticed that my mother was there that Sunday, and she had been sitting in the pew, my mom was, with my infant daughter. And I told her, my mom came to hear me preach, you know, isn't that cool? And the woman said, I was surprised, you know, during your whole sermon, she did not cry at all. And I said, you know, it was an emotionally powerful sermon. It surprised me too that my mom didn't cry at all. And with the grin, the woman said to me, Brad, I was talking about your daughter. Oh, (laughs) yeah, okay. Don't take myself so seriously. You know, the Bible has a word for people who take themselves too seriously. They're called Pharisees. And they're the people who cannot imagine anything beyond their own little world, who refuse to embrace anything new, who who are more interested in rules than in relationships. And these folks call to mind the words of the philosopher Voltaire, who said, God is a comedian playing to an audience too afraid to laugh. Friends, don't be afraid to laugh. God is a comedian and Easter is a comedy and we are invited to laugh. Now, when we forget to laugh, that's a surefire way to get stuck back on Good Friday, to get bogged down in despair and in darkness and in pain. Remember, Good Friday is only good because Friday turned into Saturday and Saturday turned into Sunday because our mourning has turned into dancing and our grief has turned into laughter. Easter is a comedy. And what do Easter and comedies have in common? Do you know? surprise. The essence of of both Easter and of comedies is surprise, something delightfully unexpected. Because on Easter, God has stunned the whole world with the greatest joy of all time. You thought you knew the ending to the story, right? You cried your eyes out. You were ready to resign yourself to a life that is tragic and depressing and hopeless. And then out of nowhere, surprise, He's alive. He's alive. And raising Jesus from the dead, God played the ultimate practical joke on the devil. God always gets the last laugh. Now, a long time ago, during the Middle Ages, there was an Easter custom in many churches. At the end of Easter worship, the pastor would lead the congregation in what was called the Rhesus Pascalis, the Rhesus Pascalis, which means literally the laughter of Easter. And the pastor would tell jokes and sing funny songs, and the worship service would positively vibrate with laughter. And of course, the point is obvious. The laughter echoing through the church is a tangible testimony to the joy born on this great day of Easter. But can you believe a pastor would stoop so low as to tell jokes in a sermon? I mean, come on. So one year as Easter was approaching, God the Father was bragging about his son, Jesus. And uh, Satan agreed. Uh, Yes, you know, Jesus is good at lots of things, but there's one area Satan said I can definitely beat him in, computer programming. So Jesus agrees to a contest. 
six hours of programming. Jesus versus Satan. And they're going to sit down at their computers and they're going to pound out as much perfectly formatted HTML as they can. And the contest is scheduled for Easter Sunday. So on Easter, all the people gather from all over to witness the contest. And at 9 a.m., the angel Gabriel drops the green flag and the contest begins. Now they start off strong, coding line after line, not even stopping to have a cup of coffee. Every hour, the official line count is read. At 10 a.m., Satan is slightly ahead. By 11, Jesus has caught up, but then Satan found an error in his code, and so he has to go back and rewrite several pages. Now, of course, Jesus never makes mistakes, but Satan is fast, so he catches up again. He's determined to beat Jesus. By the afternoon, Satan surges ahead and the crowd oohs and ahs and the deadline arrives. At 3 p.m., the contest is over and Satan has completed more lines of code than Jesus. Now, Satan is elated. Not surprisingly, he's cocky. He starts bragging about how he beat Jesus and he leans back in his chair and he puts his hands behind his head and he kicks his feet up on the desk. But as his feet come up off of the floor, he inadvertently kicks the power cord and unplugs both of the computers. Well, the screens, they go black. Now they were using desktop computers, right? Oh no, Satan says, and he frantically plugs the computers back in and the screens come back to life and all the code that Jesus wrote is there, but Satan's is gone. How can this be, Satan snarls. I finished more coding. It should be there. I I should have won. But God the Father speaks up. Satan, look here. You've made a grave mistake. You may code faster, but Jesus saves. (laughs) All right. All right, friends. I'm so grateful how you put up with my corny jokes. So our Easter sermon series is called The New Normal. The New Normal, right? We are in this challenging and this curious season. We have this new normal that includes quarantine and physical distancing. And we're separated from people we love and we're working from home. And some people are not working at all. And we can't just come and go as we please. We're we're desperate, right, for some improvements, for some good news. We're desperate for the chips and salsa at La Coretta. Oh, I miss La Coretta so much. We need some good news, don't we? So let me suggest something to you. 2,000 years ago, on the very first Easter, God introduced another new normal through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And this new normal means new life. It means a new start, not only reserved for us in heaven, but a present reality right here and right now. And this reality, the reality of new life in Jesus Christ, is even more powerful than the reality of quarantine and physical distancing. Because the resurrection is the most determinative factor in our lives. Now, here's how the Apostle Paul put it in his letter to the Colossians. And this is kind of our theme verse for this series, The New Normal. He said this, Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. 
When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You know, I've noticed we are so tempted these days to focus on earthly things, aren't we? Quarantine and illness and our struggling economy, this feels like our new normal. But in Colossians, Paul is saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. You are the ones who are raised with Christ. This is your new normal, not quarantine, freedom in Christ, not illness, healing, not death, life. That is your new normal in Jesus Christ. And so set your mind on things that are above. This is why I love the story of Thomas so much, because the story of Thomas is our story. And Jesus was doing something so mind-blowing that Thomas had a hard time even grasping it, right? At first, at first. So it was Easter Sunday evening, and the disciples were hiding behind locked doors because they were afraid. They were scared that, you know, since Jesus was killed, they were going to be next, and no one was laughing. They were terrified. So Jesus showed up, and he said, peace be with you. And he showed them his hands. He said, look, it's, it's really me. It's Jesus. Look where they, they drove the nails through my hands. And after they saw the evidence that it really was Jesus, the story says they rejoiced. They sang and shouted and, and laughed because their Lord and their friend was alive. But one of the disciples called Thomas. He was not there with them. Now, Thomas was somewhere else on Easter Sunday night. We don't know where, but we know he wasn't there. So later the disciples told him, bro, we saw Jesus. He's alive. And Thomas said, yeah, right. No way. You know, Unless I see for myself the nail marks in his hands, I'm not going to believe that. So a week goes by and the disciples are together again. This time Thomas is with them and Jesus shows up again. And he said to all his disciples, peace be with you. And then he said specifically to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. See the marks of the nails where they crucified me. He said, Thomas, do not doubt, but believe he said, believe, Thomas. Now, I love this story so much because Thomas is us, right? We sometimes doubt. We sometimes fear. We sometimes have a hard time believing. We, we want evidence. God, you know, uh, we want this situation to get better. Promise, Lord, that I'll get my job back. You know, promise that all the people I love will be okay. God, show me some evidence, please. Notice how Jesus responds to Thomas. He doesn't condemn Thomas. He doesn't kick Thomas out of the group. He doesn't even scold him, right? Jesus encourages Thomas. Don't doubt. Believe, right? Thomas, don't doubt. Believe. Believe in me. This is what I am doing for you. And he gives Thomas the evidence that he is so desperate to see. And then... Jesus says this, Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Friends, this is the essence of faith, to trust God even in the absence of the evidence that we want, to love Jesus even when we have not seen, to laugh even in the face of danger and of discomfort. 
Brothers and sisters, in Christ, God has done the extraordinary, the delightfully unexpected. And now we have a choice, don't we? We have a choice about how we respond. We can live with fear and doubt. We can live convinced that this coronavirus is going to be the end of normal life as we've known it. Or, or we can trust that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is even more powerful than that. And we can discover the joy that God has for us on Easter. It really is one or the other. On the one hand, fear and doubt. On the other hand, joy and laughter. As someone once said, terror is the absence of humor, and humor is the absence of terror. It's hard to laugh when you're afraid, and it's hard to be afraid when you are laughing. Friends, remember the words of Jesus who said, Blessed are you who weep, for you will laugh. You will laugh. Friends, if that's you, if you've been weeping, this is the good news. Your day has come. Your laughing day has come. Thanks to what God has done in Jesus Christ. Thanks to his victory over death. Thanks to his mighty resurrection. There is laughter. And it's so infectious that the whole world is invited to join in to laugh with God and with us one great tidal wave of joy. Let God's people say, Amen.